You are listening to the Icehouse Podcast, hosting conversations with gritty Kiwi business owners and leaders and industry-leading minds. Hey everybody, welcome to the Icehouse Podcast. My name's Priya and I'm excited to bring you another episode of the Icehouse Podcast with one of our wonderful co-working residents, Debbie. So welcome to the podcast, Debbie. Thank you. Um, I'd love to start off by just asking you to share a little bit about yourself and tell us who's Debbie. Ah, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's kind of hard not to overthink that question, to be (laughs) honest. Um, There's one part of me that wants to go, you know, quite deep on who I am. Um, but I'll try not to have an existential meltdown while I answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I might just stick to the facts. So I um, um, grew up in Auckland, uh, went to uni, headed off overseas, um, travelled through um, India, Africa and Europe for five years. Wow. Had a patriality visa, so I was allowed to work overseas. So I um, got into corporate banking and did some work in London and Edinburgh. Wow. And on my overseas travels, I picked up a husband, um, <laughs> brought him back to live in New Zealand with me, um, and we're now married, and I have two teenagers, a oh, boy and a girl. That's lovely. Yeah, and I'm also the um, I, the founder of an organisation called Blue Sky Minds. Yeah, excited to chat about that more later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, a couple of the things that I'm really interested in at the moment are... Um, I love having chats with my teenage daughter and her friends. It's mm. really hard being a teenager at the moment, yeah. and especially a teenage girl. Mm. And there's a lot of challenges that they face. Mm-hmm. And just right now, I've got some of her mates that I'm a little bit of an agony aunt to, mm. and I really love the conversations that I have with them and yeah. supporting them, and um, you know, just trying to overcome some of the obstacles that teenage girls mm. face. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool to have you know have someone in your life like that especially at that age so oh good on you yes well unfortunately my kids don't necessarily take (laughs) my advice well that's always a little bit harder (laughs) yeah it's actually funny um I kind of joke about it with my friends because um when it comes to you know receiving advice I joke that my kids have got a strategy called ABM which is called anyone but mum Um, but actually, what I've what I've found is, um, in terms of influencing young people, mm. um, especially my daughter, who's quite strong-willed, is telling stories of my own lived experiences. Yeah. So what teenage life was like for me, the mm. struggles that I faced, and what I learned. Yeah. And um, you, you don't think they're listening, but they are. Yeah. Often she'll bring things up later, and I just find actually that's a really clever way mm. to influence. Just tell stories about your own childhood. Yeah. 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 Wow. Love that. That's mm. awesome. Um, I wanted to ask, the next question I wanted to ask is, tell us a bit about um, the organisation you founded and what you do for work. Yeah, so I'm so passionate about the work that I do. Yeah. It's deeply rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of background. Some of your um, some of your listeners may know um, about the HR technology company Fuel50. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked for them for five years before founding Blue Sky Mines. Um, you know, they've done incredibly well. I think I was employee number three wow. when I joined, and they've now got over 100 staff. Oh, wow, globally. that's quite special. Yeah, yeah, so I had an amazing ride with them for five years. Joe Mills was an incredible boss and mentor. Um, but I knew I always wanted to do my own thing. I always had this dream to be self-employed. Awesome. Um, And I finally plucked up the courage to do it seven years ago and um, I knew exactly what I wanted to offer because as I was looking at 
the world getting faster, more complex, changing more rapidly and becoming more uncertain. Um, the ability for people to manage their minds in the mm. midst of that is absolutely fundamental. Yep. And organisations back then weren't doing a lot to support their people. Mm. You know, there were things like, you know, uh, counselling services, which usually people, uh, it's, you know, it's the ambulance at the mm. bottom of the cliff before mm. they'll go and seek out a counsellor. Yep. And so I wanted to do things that are really proactive, really empowering to support organisations, you know, to look at, help people to look after their minds like they look after their bodies. Yeah. So that's kind of um, what I'm passionate about. So Bounded Blue Sky Mind, so our kind of what we do is we, we're sort of business to business. We yeah. mostly work with large organisations mm -hmm. around their people strategy and in particular supporting healthy minds and high performance in the workplace. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. That's that's really, really cool. What year did you found that, your business? Uh, so, oh my goodness, 2016. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Could you please give us some examples of the type of work you do with organisations? I'd love to. Um, and I think the best way to probably do that is to think about it in sort of three different levels. So if you imagine a, a pyramid... At that bottom level, um, the first thing we want to do is start to engage the audiences at the organisations that we work with. So they can get to know us and we can get to know them and see if there's a good fit. So we might go in and do like a one hour lunch and learn seminar or we might do a, a, an event at a leadership offsite or a speaking event or something attached to Mental Health Awareness Week or you know people will come back to work next year, it's about, you know, how can you um, optimise um, healthy minds and high performance to get back into the groove after the holidays? Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of those kind of um, one-off speaking events. And then if there's a good fit and organisations are enjoying working with us and then we've kind of got that next level up, the, uh, up on the pyramid, which we call train. Yeah. So we've developed over the last seven years some really great programmes that run over four to eight weeks. And that's taking a deep dive in some, into some of the science-based skills to um, manage your mind and well-being at work. Um, and so we've got our foundation, which is an, um, a program called High Performing Minds. And that's actually based on um, an evidence-based mental skills training program that was developed by Oxford University. So myself and some of my trainers are qualified to teach that oh, program. Wow. Um, and we've delivered that consistently over the last seven years. And that's probably our, our foundation kind of train offering. And then we've done a couple of offshoots of that. So we've got a shorter program called Cultivating Resilient Minds, for, which is for teams going through change. Oh, yeah. And we've also got something called the MAT Toolbox, which is short, sharp, practical um, learning for the contact centre teams, which are often hard for them to take long periods of time away from um, calls. Right. Um, and then so, th so that's the train level. And then the next level up is um, embed. So if you imagine at the top of the pyramid, um, what we want to do with embed is create internal capability. So what we are doing is training internal champs and leaders to deliver some of that content internally. Um, and often there's amazing champions and organisations who would love to learn mm. to facilitate wellbeing workshops. So we will coach and guide them to be able to um, deliver some of our short seminars and workshops. Wow, awesome. I love that. Um, what does a day in your life look like? Wow, yeah. I mean, one of the things I really do, I really do live by is 
setting myself up in the morning to optimise my own performance. That's really important to me. And I, I've been tinkering for a while with my morning routine. Mm-hmm. And obviously the kids are older now, yeah. so I have a bit more time in the mornings. Yeah. So what I've found is if I, as soon as I wake up, I have to get out the front door yeah. and I'll either go for a brisk walk or a slow jog. Yeah. Um, and that just sets me up so well physically for the day. Awesome. And then I've got a, um, a focused meditation practice of about 20 to 30 minutes each morning and wow. that I do that um, every most work days. Awesome. And um, that sets me up mentally for the day. And then if I've got time, I love sitting in the garden in the morning sun and having a coffee. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my, that's pretty set in stone. And then my days are really variable. So yeah. often I'm in, in, in with clients delivering programs or mapping out strategy for upcoming work. Or I'm in here with my team yeah. um, planning events and things. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. <clears throat> and going for a walk and just enjoying your coffee in the sun, it sounds so simple, but it makes a world of difference, I feel. Well, it does for me. And I guess it's about uh, people figuring out what those routines yeah. are yeah. that maximise their uh, well-being and performance. And it's not the same for everyone. Yeah. Um, I've just managed to find what works for me. Yeah. Love that, yeah. I've gotten into exercise a little bit more because that was a priority for me, but for me it's difficult to do it first thing in the morning. But straight after work, that feels more natural for me and a bit more comfortable, and that's part of my routine. So, yeah, I love hearing that um, that, that routine that's a part of your day. That's awesome. Um, I'd love to ask you, you know, you're based in our co-working space and um, it's great to have you and the team here, but what are, what are some of your favourite elements? being a part of the space. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, it's tempting to list them all off, and I'm sure your other um, interviewees have done that, but I think um, the thing I keep coming back to is the architecture. Yeah. It's a really beautiful building, mm. and I make sure I really take note of that. Like, I'll often walk up, as you know, I'll walk up the, um, yeah. your main entrance, yeah. and it's a beautiful open stairwell, and it's got beautiful exposed brick. Yeah and the sunlight's coming in in the morning, and it's it's just such a beautiful way to start the day. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. I guess, one of the things that people maybe don't know about this <laughs> space is how architecturally beautiful it is. Yeah, so yeah, for the listeners who don't know, we're based in the um, textile centre, which is a historic building, but yeah, we're really lucky to be on the fourth floor, and the natural light is really, really nice, and you're right, in the morning, it's lovely. Um, yeah, the space was actually renovated, I think, earlier in 2021 so it looked a little bit different um on the side the ice house sits but yeah it's an awesome space yeah really cool really special um one question I like to ask um our co-working residents who come onto the podcast is to ask them who is an interesting person they've met in the space and why were they interesting oh see that's so hard for me I'm gonna pick a team yeah yeah, the Talent Army team yeah. are so lovely. They are awesome. They are nice people yeah. and really interesting. Yeah. And they just made me feel really welcome right Aww. from the start. And love um, that. you know, I love coming to your Friday night drinks and usually the team from the Talent Army are there and we just have such good banter and good chats and just kind of digest the week, you know, and support each other in our endeavours that we're doing. Yeah. yeah. They're just cool people. And I just I really love what they're doing in the recruitment world. You mm. know, there's, um, yeah, they're slightly different. I, I, I see from other recruiters and I really kind of love their philosophy around how they work with people. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Yeah, I met Mitch recently 
Um, and he's an awesome guy. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. You should interview him for one of your Yes, podcasts. I definitely should. <laughs> Mitch, if you're listening, you might be next. <laughs> um, <clears throat> coming back to your career, I just wanted to ask, what's the what's a big win that you've had from your career journey so far? Well, perfect timing, <laughs> because just last week yeah. I hosted an event here in the Ice House space. Oh, yeah? Um, and it has been on my bucket list for a long, long time to deliver a keynote speech. Amazing. Um, so I talk a lot to groups all the time. I've done that for my whole career. Mm. But I had this mental blocker about being a public speaker yeah. or a keynote speaker or an expert speaker. I had this mental blocker and I thought, well, the only way to overcome that is to host an event, yes. stand at the front of the room, deliver what would be a keynote speech and gauge the reaction and see how much I enjoy doing it. And yeah. I loved it so Awesome, much. Um, awesome. But it was amazing to be in this space. Yeah. And, um, you know, having a sound technician, having a good photographer, hiring yeah. an event planner, I think they were absolutely essential. And yeah. then I could just focus on, yeah. you know, doing my bit. Mm. Um, and it's kind of, it, it's, it's sad, isn't it? When you overcome mm. a big... Um, mental block like that to achieve one of your goals. You know what the first thing was I thought? What was it? Why didn't I do this 10 years ago? Yeah. Uh, and I've got to just kind of let that go yeah. and go, well, I'm here now, yeah. I've levelled up, mm. um, you know, and I just feel like there's going to be so many more opportunities yeah. next year and I'm yeah. really excited. Wow. Yeah, everyone always thinks, right, when they do something, why didn't I just do this earlier? I know, why was well, I so when you, when you do it and you get through it, you're like, oh, that actually wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was nervous, you know, yeah. because you're quite vulnerable. Yes, of course. You know, if you're failing, you're failing in a room full of 60 people. Yeah. So you are really vulnerable being a public yep. speaker, you know. Yeah. And there's a, you know, you want to make it interesting and practical and key takeaways and take people on a journey. So there's a lot of elements to it um, that you have to consider. But, yep. yeah, I think I'd put in a lot of time and effort yeah. into what I wanted to say. So I was yep. really happy with it. Oh, congratulations. Thank That's you. awesome. And good on you for, you know, I'm bringing on an event planner and a professional photographer, videographer. It all makes a big difference. It can be hard, I think, being in a small team um, when you try to do everything and it's difficult to just dive into what you're trying to do when you have to also juggle all that, you know, all those elements. So awesome. Yeah, and I think all those details, like what wine glasses yeah. to put out, how the event yeah. right ticketing system works. Mm. Like, it just would have overwhelmed me. Oh, yeah. And I just needed to not think about those. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a massive win. Yeah, they're all important parts to juggle, but, yeah, it, it's just nice to have someone else to help. So, yeah, that's awesome. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got an amazing team. They were all very supportive yeah. of the night as well. Yeah, oh, awesome, love that. On the other side of um, a big win, what... What's a big learning you've had from your career journey so far? And off the back of that, what's advice you would give to your younger mm. self? That's such a great question. Uh, one of the things that's really on my mind a lot lately is creating meaningful connection. That's something I've had to work really hard at doing myself because when I'm struggling with my mental health, my tendency is to shut down mm. and pull back and not tell people how I'm feeling. And actually that just creates this downward spiral. Mm. So I really have to encourage, uh, foster meaningful connection in my own my own lives. Um, but actually, what worries me is that uh, if we look at the research, loneliness is on the rise. Mm. So 
supposedly we're, ne we're never more connected than ever before, but we're more lonely than ever before, and that really, I find that really worrying. Mm. And if you look at the research around what loneliness is, it's not about being on your own or being with people. It's about not feeling seen, heard and understood in a mm. way that is meaningful for you. And that doesn't have to be a big thing. Mm. It could just be when you go to your local coffee shop in the morning and you get a coffee, you know, having a bit of banter with the barista while you're waiting for your coffee. Or, you know, if you take your dog for a, a morning walk around the park, you know, the beautiful broad smile of the other dog walkers mm. as they walk past you. But it's just those moments. And yeah. I think during lockdown we you know especially you know the long long lockdowns we all mm. we felt the pain of disconnection didn't yeah. we yeah um and i remember that really really vividly mm. and actually i've got a bit of a funny story <laughs> <laughs> so um i was sent out to do the shopping one day and i went to the local new world and as i walked in and looked down the fruit and produce aisle I saw someone I knew, one of my son's friends was working there because yeah. he was an essential worker. Um, and I was so excited, <laughs> yeah. rushing up to him, hey, how's it going, how are your family? And I had what, what I thought was a lovely conversation. Yeah. Anyway, I get home, open the front door, my son's standing there going, mum, <laughs> I can't believe you just jump scared my friend and then stared into his soul, you totally freaked him out. Oh, you were desperate for that connection. <laughs> so desperate. <laughs> Maybe I overdid it a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on a more serious note, that is something I yeah. care very deeply about. And it's something that I think we're losing yeah. that ability yeah. to really connect meaningfully. So mm. yeah, that was that would be one piece of advice and one kind of life lesson. Yep. Um, and then the other one is... I guess managing the inner critic, mm. you know, and a lot of the advice we're given is, you know, just ignore it, push it away, mm. block it. Mm. And I find found from my own experience actually that doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I suffered from postnatal depression after the birth of my daughter and it went undiagnosed for quite a long time. So mm. it was really, really hard for me. Yeah. Um, and when I was on that path to recovery, one of the best things I ever did was see a counsellor. Um, and I said to her, look, I just had these overwhelming feelings of sadness and I don't know where they were coming from. And she said, every time you have those feelings, write, them, write down what's going on in your head, write down what you're saying to yourself. So I carried around this little pink smiggle notebook with me <laughs> and every time I felt that overwhelming sadness, I would write down what I was saying to myself in my head wow. for a whole week. And at the end of the week, I opened it up and I read it. I was so shocked at how horrible I was to myself. Oh my gosh. I was so, I couldn't believe the yeah. nasty, like, I would never talk to any of my friends like that. Right, yeah. But the other massive insight was I also felt deep compassion for the part of me that had to listen to that, mm. that was tormented by that. Yeah. It's horrible. And so I was really motivated then to understand a bit more about this role of the inner critic. Yeah. And actually, what people probably don't realise is for many of us, that kind of that factory-setting inner critic, that niggly inner critic that likes to undermine our confidence, doesn't want us to step outside the mm. square, doesn't want us to take risks, it actually is a little bit of an inbuilt, inbuilt factory setting. Um, and if you think about it, 
our ancient ancestors back in the day, they banded together in tribes to be safe. Mm. If you did something to be ostracised or rejected, you were cast out and you would likely die because you couldn't fend for yourself. So we have this innate tendency to kind of not put our, you yeah. know, not put ourselves um, out there. Yeah. But if we can just recognise that that's there and that voice is there and acknowledge it um, and work alongside it and not let it stop us, that, that I think that's a much better strategy than avoiding or suppressing yeah. or believing it as the absolute truth yeah. that you there's no way you could ever do that, you know. Like if I... You know, if I if I hadn't if I'd listened to that voice, there's no way I would have done half the things that yeah. I'd done. But um, you know, in the workshops that we run, the analogy we use is um, welcome to the party in a critic. You yeah. know, welcome to the party anxiety. Cool. You know, like we've got these <laughs> other parts of us that yeah. are encouraging, mm -hmm. um, that are courageous, that want to express themselves, and the inner critic is really just one of those yeah. parts. And so we often say, oh, you know, welcome to the party in a critic. Um, you know, grab a lemonade and sit in the corner. You know, yeah. We don't want the inner critic to take over our whole yeah. um, our whole mindset. Wow, that is really amazing. I love how you said um, when you when you had that realization after reading your Pink Smiggle book about everything you had said to yourself, and you realized that wow, I would not speak to a friend like this. It's it's quite common, isn't it? We, we're so quick to speak down on ourselves, but we would never, ever, even imagine speaking to someone else like that. So why why do we treat ourselves differently? We're not we're no less valuable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the powerful learning for me for this was that kind of blocking that voice mm. doesn't work because yeah. it just gets louder. Yeah, like it'll just find another way. Yeah, like you might end up having a panic attack. Yeah, or something. So kind of acknowledging it and going I, I can I can see where that you're coming from you know this is a safety it's paradoxically trying to keep you safe yeah you know don't put your head up keep that keep you know keep I'm going to keep you safe by stopping you from taking risks so I think it's about acknowledging it yeah um but yeah not letting it trash the party <laughs> yeah yeah awesome no I love that that's great advice um I wanted to finish off with this question. Um, what advice do you have for people navigating how to improve mental well-being and performance at work, particularly with the year drawing to an end? Um, it's a common theme, you know, that people are hearing. You're hearing about people feeling tired and, you know, ready to have a break. What 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 advice do you have for people who are navigating that space? Yeah. Um, I think. I think. I mean, I'd like to actually call, make a call out to the leaders of teams, mm. the people leaders, because I just think they have such an influential role, yeah. especially at this time of year. You know, we're all, we are a little bit all exhausted and tired and looking forward to a break, but I just think leaders have such a powerful role, um, have such a powerful role in this in supporting the well-being of their team. And I think um, we should never underestimate the power of that connection between leaders and their employees. And one of the things that I think is really interesting is we often see, you know, mental well-being or looking after people's well-being um, as a bit of an indulgence and a nice to have. Mm. Um, but actually, the, you know, the return on investment for supporting people's well-being is actually, you yeah. know, that's. I mean, I was just having a look at some stats that I wanted to share today. Yeah. Like uh, there's a piece of research done recently by Deloitte UK, 
Um, and they've done they've done some research that has said for every dollar you invest in well-being, you get $5 back. Wow. Yeah, and I just think for leaders to see that investment in well-being as a strategic advantage yeah. um, rather than a, than a cost to the organisation. Yeah. Wow. And actually, I said last question, but there was one question I did want to ask you before that. What's in, what's in store um, for the future of Blue Sky Minds? Yeah, well, I think uh, just following on from that last question is um, lots of the organisations that we work with are really thinking about how they support leaders. Yeah. So I'm really excited about supporting them to do that. So helping leaders to embed really good wellbeing strategies to optimise their healthy minds and high performance at work, but also helping them to have more meaningful conversations with their team, especially if their team is struggling with their mental health. Because one of the things I've noticed is sometimes leaders are reluctant to engage in those conversations. Mm -hmm. They're not quite sure if they're scared of saying the wrong thing. Yeah. You know, they're not quite sure what advice they should give. Yeah. You know, they've almost been, It's uh, you can overthink it. Mm. And so part of what I want to do is really support leaders to feel confident going into those conversations and just realise it's just about being human. Yeah. Just listening for the sake of listening and just being your empathetic self. Yeah. You don't need to diagnose or rescue or problem solve yeah. or coach, but actually just create meaningful connection and try and understand what's going on in someone else's world if they're struggling. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really excited about supporting our organisation and their organisations and their leaders. Um, but obviously, the other thing is with my public speaking now. Yeah, um, I'm really keen to do more of that at conferences and awesome. off-sites and events next year. So any any listeners out there in opening <laughs> conferences next year? Um, yeah, let me know. Cool. Just well, we can pop your word. details. Um, with the podcast copy so if people want to get in touch they can but that is that is so awesome and that is so valuable for people to know that <clears throat> there are other people out there who are offering that help so um yeah I think that's really valuable especially going forward it's just going to be more and more valuable so good on you <clears throat> but I've really really enjoyed talking to you Debbie and hearing more um about your story and I'm really looking forward to um, following the Blue Sky Minds journey and seeing what more unfolds in the upcoming year. Um, and we love having you in the space.